Thanks to Airbnb for sponsoring this episode of Market Foolery. Whether you're looking for some side cash or a steady income, hosting on Airbnb might just be the best investment that you haven't made yet. Go to airbnb.com slash fool to start hosting and learn about a $100 Amazon gift card offer for our dozens of listeners. Terms and conditions apply. It's Thursday, May 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, he's back from Singapore from MFAM Funds. It's Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We'll get to your trip and maybe a thing or two that you can share from the conference you attended. Uh, we're also going to talk luxury stocks. we got to start, though, with discount retail. And discount retail is doing better than certainly the retail stocks we talked about yesterday. Dollar Tree and Dollar General both reporting rock-solid first quarters, and shares of both are up. Shares of Dollar General hitting a 52-week high. Yeah, I think that uh, it's just uh, the experience of compounding growth uh, and continued uh, ability to expand the operations, open some new stores. They're getting uh, decent same-store sales, uh, and they don't have to do anything super tricky uh, to, to keep that going. There is plenty of competition in the discount uh, retailer space, uh, and some brands are doing a little better than others. Family Dollar struggling, but uh, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's good time so much as continuing uh, good operations for, for Dollar General. Well, and the fact that they're opening locations at a time when the number of retail closures that have just been announced so far in 2019 have already surpassed what we saw all of last year tells me that, among other things, they're doing a good job of managing their growth in a smart way. Yes, and uh, they're not uh, not tied down to the malls, so uh, people are not going to the malls in increasing numbers. And people, uh, companies have made investments in mall stores on the basis of that. Not that those are the only operations that are closing stores, but standalone uh, operations or, or, or things that are not mall based are in better shape. Uh, people go specifically. To Dollar General, uh, to Dollar Tree, uh, rather than going to the mall and then seeing what happens, right? So they have to go there for uh, consumables to a large degree. Uh, it's a, a place they regularly go to, and they they are going to uh, continue to do that as uh, both operations expand uh, what they are delivering there. Uh, you know, in, into things like adult beverages and more coolers. And, and so, uh, they just have more opportunities to deliver the things that people use every day. So, you and I were talking this morning about uh, a little bit about commercial real estate. And it sounds like, you know, on the show a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how uh, Planet Fitness is um, taking advantage of the fact that Toys R Us went out of business and, and was essentially fueling their expansion uh, partly through these now vacant Toys R Us locations. It sounds, though, based on what you just said, that Dollar General isn't necessarily taking advantage of mall-based store closures because they're mall-based and that's not really their business. Right. And and there are plenty of store Toys R Us 
stores that were outside of malls. So they may find themselves in some of those, although uh, I'm not sure they need quite the square footage that at least the Toys R Us, uh, you know, units that I was familiar with uh, took up. So, I, but it as things open up, yes, their costs of expansion uh, decrease. There's there are fewer uh, competitors for that space, and the ones who are competing for it are operating more on the, you know, lower end uh, segments of of the market. In terms of uh, you know, there there aren't a lot of luxury brands that are going to be moving into those spaces. Speaking of luxury brands, yes, <laughs> shares of Movado are falling today and hitting a 52-week low after a bad first quarter. Uh, this is the luxury watchmaker. Uh, Movado executive said that the retail environment remains challenging and that economic uncertainty is a potential headwind. I will point out, however, that they didn't change their full year guidance. So while they were putting a lot of caveats out there, they didn't change their guidance. Um, so maybe they have confidence that uh, those caveats will just remain caveats and not turn into actual problems for them. Yeah, it's just it's a group that uh, the whole luxury watch space, which confuses me, um, just based on why anybody would spend money on a luxury watch, uh, is the thing that I'm most confused by. Although I understand that it happens, and <laughs> um, yeah, no, you you and I are are of like mind about this because not only do we not wear watches, we certainly don't wear luxury watches, and I don't even know what I would do with a luxury watch. So I was given a luxury watch once uh, by my by my wife, uh, and and I had already declared that I would never wear jewelry or wedding ring or anything like that. So as as a wedding present, she got me a watch, uh, <laughs> and it was where, a very nice watch. Where is that watch? It's, it's clearly not on your wrist. It's, it's in a drawer somewhere, I believe. Okay, I believe that if I had to find it, I would be able to go back to my parents' house and find it. Let's go back to Movado for a second. Um, is there a price at which you would buy this stock? Because it's not unreasonable to imagine that uh, people don't need this particular thing. Well, I, I, look, it's a luxury watch. People don't need it. Period. It's it's a well. I want to have that. Or you know, there are some people who use it for you know. It's like well, this is. This is my version of jewelry, or that sort of thing. Um, I, I don't know, though. At, you just strip it down to its core. The function of a watch is to tell you what the time is, and it's really easy to know what time it is. If you have a smartphone, if, if you have a laptop computer, if you're pretty much anywhere, it's pretty easy to figure out what the time is. Yeah, the internal clock works pretty well, too. My, uh, all the years. So, have you got a pretty well developed internal clock? I, n no. I no. always had one because I've never worn a watch, but I could pretty much always know what the time was within about five minutes. Okay. Now I, that I have a smartphone, I can no longer do that because I've, I've become dependent on that. But um, this is not a hard thing to develop or to have internally, uh, and and one of the proofs of that is the fact. That my dog wakes me up uh, between five fifty-seven and six oh three every every morning, Wait. and he uh, does not have a watch. It sounds like your dog has a good internal clock. I don't know yeah. if you have a good internal clock. No, I, I mean not as good as his, but but uh, I, but 
anybody can do this. This is not you. You can wake up right if you need to. Pretty pretty much when you need to wake up, if it's important enough, you'll do that. Let's go back to the question: Is there a price at which you would buy shares of Movado? Sure. This is a half a billion dollar company. I think it's more likely to go to zero than it is to go to one billion. Uh, well, it used it was a billion not that long ago. It's a, the stock is. Price has been cut basically in half over the last year, uh, so I don't know about going to zero. I, I would invest in it kind of like a bond. It's it's kind of a stable business. You just don't invest in it in terms of a growth business. Uh, the sales are up a little bit right now because they acquired a couple of brands, uh, but they're not making more money. If you take those acquisitions out, uh, it's really about the same level of sales of five six years ago. And not all that much more interesting than than where sales were, uh, you know, thirteen years ago, twelve, thirteen years ago. People just the problem with luxury watch uh, brands is to maintain exclusivity. You just can't keep selling more and more and more. It doesn't make any sense. The the experience of ooh, I've got something that other people don't have, and that's why I'm willing to spend all this money and advertise that on my wrist. Uh, can only work if it continues to be true that other people don't already have it or aren't going to acquire it after you. So they have to kind of uh, stop from growing to a large degree. And the only growth then comes from buying more brands, which they've done, but that doesn't really translate into significantly more profits. So is there a price at which I'd buy them? Yeah, if they, they just sort of declared we're going to run this business to create Certain stable amount of money, and you know, I could treat that like a bond, and there was a dividend that was exciting, and maybe at about half the price that it is today. <laughs> then I would be, then I would be very interested in it, right? I mean, there's a price at which anything is worth owning, even if it's just going to be run as a business to make cash now and not reinvest in the business. Yeah, I it just of all the luxury items one could buy. Like I don't own a luxury car, and I don't know that I necessarily ever want to own a luxury car. But at least I, I, I'm getting more out of a luxury vehicle than I would out of a luxury watch. If someone gave it to you, you would use it, right? Yeah. Whereas the luxury watch, if somebody gave you a luxury watch, it would be in a box. Right. In a Speaking drawer. from experience, yeah. so we were talking about a scene that you brought up uh, from a, a major movie. Well, we'll talk about that, and now and then I'll. Say something. Well, I was, I was, I was actually thinking about two, two scenes when we decided we're going to talk about Movado. So one is the uh, more recently the movie Doctor Strange, the Marvel movie, and uh, there's a scene very early in the movie where Doctor Stephen Strange is getting ready. He's being given some awards, so he goes to some black tie dinner, and they have this, these shots of him getting ready in his luxury apartment, this gorgeous apartment he's in. And at one point, he goes over as he's putting on his tux, he goes over to a drawer and opens it up. And there's something like 30 luxury watches inside. And I remember watching that for the first time and thinking to myself, well, that's that's just crazy. That's just like, why? why would, I mean, if there were five luxury watches, that would seem excessive. But the fact that this guy has 30, but, you know, I suppose it served the point of, well, he's you know, this is who this person is. He's someone who wants to have 30 luxury watches. But the other scene I thought of, uh, to go back to one of your comedy heroes, Bob Newhart. On the old Bob Newhart show, there was an episode where it's his birthday. His wife buys him some luxury watch. 
and he, like you, doesn't know what to do with it, so he puts it in his briefcase. And at one point, he says to her, "I understand, you know, why you bought this for me, but this watch, my old watch, does the same thing that this watch does. But my old watch costs, you know, ten bucks, and this thing costs a thousand. Yeah, and, and, so- that, and that's that's where I always end up with Movado. It's like, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a really nice timepiece. Yeah, so the Bob Newhart clip is thirty-five, forty years ago, and it is as true today." As it was then, which is part of the problem here. Another part of the problem is that when Doctor Strange opens this, he literally is a strange man to to have so many of these luxury watches. Whereas if this were uh, a woman in a movie who went to her jewelry uh, collection and had lots of different necklaces or earrings or or any anything like that, it wouldn't be that surprising to see ten, twenty choices of, of luxury, high-end jewelry that, that a woman would own, so it's a better market. Uh, there, there's more opportunity to sell to a larger um, purchasing uh, audience for, for that kind of thing. Another movie moment that you could have mentioned regarding the luxury watch is the scene in Trading Places where Dan Aykroyd has to sell, has to pawn off his watch. And really, you should just load the YouTube clips of all these important cinema scenes uh, onto the uh, Twitter feed or something. I, I think this strange Doctor Strange scene is is on YouTube, a little clip of that. That's such a great scene in Trading Places yeah. where, where he's in a pawn shop and he's like, no, look at all the things that it tells time and all these different times time of- Gestad. Yeah. <laughs> Bo Diddley is just like, yeah, it's worth 50 bucks. <laughs> um, hey, if you're looking for some extra income, maybe you want to buy a luxury watch. Then hosting on air. I'm interested to how you're going to make this transit transition, and now I've interrupted. No, that's all right. Hosting on Airbnb, that's how. Might just be the best investment you haven't made yet. That's because it's free to list your home, and Airbnb offers a $1 million host guarantee that helps protect your property in the unlikely event that something goes wrong. So you can host how you want, when you want. It's all up to you. I said this the other day. We talk about you know generating income with stocks. You know, you can generate a little extra income with your place. You can use that income to pay bills, save up for retirement, buy a luxury watch. You can fund travel. You can make money while you're traveling. That's another thing that Airbnb hosts do. And Airbnb helps keep you protected. They've got a support team that's available 24-7 to help you with any issues, whether it's refunds, rebooking assistance, or their $1 million host guarantee. So go to Airbnb.com slash fool to start hosting and you'll receive a $100 Amazon gift card if you generate $500 in booking value by July 31st. That's airbnb.com slash fool to start hosting and learn about a $100 Amazon gift card offer for our dozens of listeners. As always, terms and conditions apply. Let's talk about Singapore. You you went for a conference. How was the conference? Uh, the conference was good. I got to meet with a number of uh, companies and their managements and uh, hear the stories. And it's uh, an all-Asia conference. Uh, so there were companies from a lot of different places, met with some management from Vietnam and um, a lot of uh, casino companies uh, had stories to tell, which is largely revolves around Macau and, and Kotai. And uh, uh, it, was a, it was a good experience, as, as it always is. Were there any common refrains you heard from them? I mean, when when it's earnings season, a lot of times we'll hear 
uh, a word or phrase pop up frequently uh, amongst different companies in different industries. I'm curious if there was any sort of common uh, refrain from anyone you talked to. Well, there there is more of a common refrain of their business revolving around the whims of government. Uh, and in the, sort of the Macau casino operations, everybody runs a business, but the number of tables that they are allowed to open up, um, and that's not necessarily different from the way that the you know Vegas or other people run a, um, you know the the regulatory environment on casinos. Where you have to get approval for this, and and your ability to predict when and how these things will be allocated is. It's just different than than most. It's it's not like Dollar Tree. They know how many stores they want to open or close, and they'll be able to do it, and they'll be able to do it in different jurisdictions. And nobody's got that much power. If for some reason some state made it difficult for them to operate, they've got forty nine others, right? Uh, when you've got all of your business in Macau, and you're an American based company or not, and so, you know, the China trade situation was a common refrain, uh, affecting not just whether the Chinese government would look favorably upon American-run casino companies in Macau, um, but in a number of other different industries. It was sort of the topic was, was China and U.S. trade. Did you walk away more bullish about casino Stocks and businesses? No, but what I did walk away more bullish on, I uh, met with a number of Chinese companies that are doing uh, after-school tutoring or college counseling or combinations of both or vo- uh, vocational schools. And uh, the money being spent in China on educating kids is stunning. Large? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you believe the data, and I need to go back and sort of double check some of it because any everybody's got their story to tell uh, and you know if in the major cities in China 90 95% of the kids are getting large amounts of after school tutoring already and that this number is spreading to the cities outside of the top tier and and there's there's still growth uh, among all the sort of more isolated parts of China. But the tradition there to spend money on education is is flourishing. And um, the, the desire to get kids into international schools and to spend the money to uh, get their applications looking the way they need to look to get into top US schools, there, there are plenty of Chinese that are spending $100,000 on that. A package of four years of tutoring, test prep, and the, the counseling and how to navigate the, as we know, bizarre application process of, of U.S. colleges. Do you think any of those parents in China have seen the headlines recently in the United States and thought to the, themselves, well, maybe I could just you know, pay $75,000 to a, a rowing coach and get my kid in? That way, or you know, like oh, I'll, yes, probably. I'll, I'll put a hundred thousand dollars in a paper bag and give it to the soccer coach, and they'll get my kid in. I'm not sure any any more or or fewer Chinese are looking at that story and saying, "How do I riff on that?" or "How does that apply to me?" Than than happens in the U.S. The number of parents. I mean, the the story as it comes out in the U.S. is designed to um, 
not so much educate people about the entire system as to create outrage that this is going on. And I think outrage is an absolutely appropriate response, but uh, it's it's probably the outrage part is less uh, of, of what is focused on in China and more like, all right, if that's part of what's being done, then how do we how do how do we negotiate the system? Uh, before we wrap up, I uh, want to mention we have a bonus episode of Market Foolery coming this weekend. It is not another apropos of nothing. Um, just I thought the, that was the only type of bonus episode. No, no, we actually we we've had a couple other uh, bonus types. Um, last year, uh, last spring, I did an interview with Jim Miller. Uh, best-selling author, and that part of that interview played on Motley Fool Money. But then I just I enjoyed the conversation, so I thought well, I'm just going to put the whole conversation out in the Market Foolery feed, and that happened again because the guest on Motley Fool Money this week is comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. He was in D.C. doing some shows, and I went to his hotel and uh, sat down with him in a conference room, and uh, so. Part of that conversation is going to be on Motley Fool Money, but the whole conversation is going to be on Market Foolery this weekend. A, a much better listen, one imagines, than apropos of nothing. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly a lot. You're sh- dealing with a, a professional. He's a professional. Uh, it's a much shorter than the last apropos of nothing. And yeah, he's, he's a pro. Yeah, very much enjoyed it. Um, Bill Barker, welcome home. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan because our man Dan Boyd is down in New Orleans for his bachelor party. So New Orleans, please don't hurt Dan Boyd. Please send him home in one piece. I'd say that's a fair fight, New Orleans versus Dan Boyd. You know what? You're right. That is a fair fight. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. 